0: Data shows that faith-based organizations are more effective at creating transformational change than government. When I develop a well-thought-out strategy, I know for a fact that the money is going to help heal our world. I also recommend planning your financials so that you can get your tithes made in a timely way, as close to the time you earned them as you can. I've seen good power in that. If you're not sure how you want to disperse the money you want to allocate, it's okay to put it into a donor-advised fund until a time when you are called to donate to somebody. It's like a checking account for your donations. One of the things I've seen, though, is that people get too cautious about making sure they find the perfect organization or ministry to donate to. They want to do a ton of checking to determine the legitimacy and how funds will be used. This is important research to do. But it's okay if you're called to be reckless with your giving as well. I think that gets blessed in an equal way. You want to make as many sound decisions as you can, but don't worry so much about being perfect. You'll end up paralyzing yourself and not get your tithing into the world to do what it's supposed to do. The last thing to remember about giving, and this is extremely important, is that you must release attachment to your gift. Assuming that you have made an informed decision and prayed for wisdom, make the decision to give, and then just let that money go. Expect nothing in return, such as recognition, a plaque, a parking spot, or a thank you. Just give. Holding any kind of attachment to that money will just bring pain and disappointment.
1: This is Here We Grow, a show for growth-minded leaders looking for transformational impact, hosted by Marsha Barnes. How can your business improve the world? Statistically, faith-based businesses are more effective at creating lasting change than government programs. In this episode of Here We Grow, Marsha speaks with Josh Wildman about the transformational impacts he has been able to create as both the CEO at Wildman Business Group and as a board member of the nonprofit Truth at Work. By implementing strategies Josh originally learned at a Truth at Work conference, he has pushed his business beyond even his wildest expectations.
0: Um, today I'm joined on the podcast by my good friend, Josh Wildman of the Wildman Group out of Warsaw, Indiana. Welcome, Josh.
2: Thank you, Marcia.
0: Great. It's been fascinating watching your business grow and, and master generational change, you know, and handing leadership off over the years, a lot of exciting things going on at the Wildman group. Why don't you tell our audience what you guys do and what's, what, 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 what is happening in your business that's causing all this growth and the engagement that you're getting?
2: Yeah. So what we do, I mean, our job really is to get dirty things clean and we're an industrial laundry primarily. We also have facility service business and a, a licensed consumer products business that keeps us busy. So we're a diversified business group. Wildman is actually our family's last name. And so we're third generation, founded in right. 1952. And, you know, our, our goal is to make it through the fourth generation. But not only that, to actually become a 200-year business and really following a vision that was set forth by some of the team and family at Hobby Lobby, the Green family, and been blessed to uh to have an advisor there that's helping us with that. But, you know, well, that's what, that's our day job. But ultimately, our purpose is to change lives.
0: That's awesome. So changing lives. Tell us what that looks like. You know what? I mean, you can say that our purpose is to change lives, but you're a laundry. You make dirty things clean, right? Yeah. How does that change people's lives? Tell me about that.
2: It starts with community. And so the the purpose statement really is to wildly change lives by empowering people to realize their full potential and purpose. You know, Mm -hmm. ultimately we want to be a community. We've got a lot of programs and processes that help and they're a catalyst to, to change lives. But ultimately, you know, it's it's one person at a time stepping into the opportunity and really engaging that to grow and learn. And ultimately, we believe that the ultimate change life is a life that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and is growing and is walking with Jesus Christ. While we're, you know, a for-profit business, we and we, we're very bold in that faith, we welcome people of all faiths and really just ask that they respect that stance because we believe it's a, it creates a great work community and a great give back to the local community. So that's what that looks like. And again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of programs that we do. One of the main programs is dream management. We have life coaches on staff. It's voluntary, mm-hmm. you know, so our team can really plug in to somebody that's going to totally invest in their life and helping them accomplish their dreams, which changes lives.
0: Yeah, that's that's remarkable. You you do some things that are really, that really stretch even my comfort level, having built businesses on great culture and doing crazy things like sending people on mission trips and service projects and all the things in between. But you guys really live it out. One of the things I've noticed, you have a fund that you have there for employee assistance as needed too. How does that work?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I won't take credit for a lot of the things that we do. They were you know they, we we buy you know like Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun we borrowed a lot of this and you know very thankful uh, an organization I think we're going to talk about truth at work invited us to to visit movement mortgage right and, I was on that visit with yeah, you guys yeah Casey Crawford and his vision and his leadership you know he's done an amazing job with that organization and scaled it incredibly mm-hmm. from a business perspective but from a culture perspective perspective. I mean, they're blazing new trails. And so when we were there, we learned about LoveWorks, which is a program where, you know, we as team members at at Wildman give to a fund that is matched dollar for dollar by the company. And then our our team members, our customers, even people from the local community can ask for grants from that fund for any kind of need that lines up with our bylaws, basically, which would be like, you know, financial need, you know, Coming up short on the heating bill this winter, you know, unexpected car repair, travel expenses because family's sick. We also support adoption and we support mission trip. We support continued education. And so that fund's been amazing and it's actually grown faster than we, we've we given it away. And it's it's been a lot of fun to share that and, and to give back. And so it, it, it helps us be generous as team members, but also be generous in giving as team members, which is really cool.
0: So. Right. And that's kind of been in your DNA since the beginning. I mean, some of these are things you've added along the way, but it's been part of your DNA for a long time.
2: Yeah. My, my father is an amazing man of God. One of the things that he really instilled in us just as as children in the home was tithing. And just mm-hmm. Malachi 310, you know, you just can't test me in this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't just pour out more blessing than you can, your, you know, your barns can contain. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. That, right, but, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't anybody call it. the
0: scripture police on us yeah, here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But, you know, in that, my dad also challenged us, and it was kind of a paradigm shift. And I know there's other organizations that do it. And, you know, in 2005, when we were growing the company rapidly, you know, cash was an everyday conversation. He came in and said, I'd like to make a commitment to a local church building project. And that started us on a path of generosity around committing 20% of our profits every year to to the local and global community and giving that and having our teams participate in that. And it's true. Like it's, we actually average over 30% a year just because we said it and it seems like there's always enough. Mm -hmm. And yet the company's grown 25 times over in that same time period. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's truly to me that helps my faith to, to see Malachi 310 lived out. And that started with, you know, with, with my father and even his father, obviously. So.
0: You know, the interesting thing about that verse is it's the only time in the Bible that God says test me. The only time. That's yeah. how important this is to yeah. him, you know.
2: Take note, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is how this is how much I believe this will help you. You know, yeah. it's it's there to help us because he doesn't want our money, he wants our heart. Yeah. And the heart, the giving follows where your heart's aiming, right? Yeah. 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 That's that's wonderful. When you're building great culture and we're and we've talked about a lot of the good, really good things, we're gonna to continue to do that through our podcast today. But I once heard a speaker from Exact Target in their heyday, and he was the h r director who had been brought in to help them scale right mm-hmm. and he made the statement, "The culture is what it is on the day you land in a business, and your job as a keeper of that culture." is to lift up that which is good about it and push down that which is bad. Mm-hmm. So I know in different roles that I've had, you know, what's been good and what what are things that don't exactly work the way I want them to. When you think about the things you would rather push down or put processes around to maintain them, they're a reality of your culture, what types of things come up for you on that?
2: So I think the number one culture killer in any organization, business or not, it could be church, it could be a family, it could mm-hmm. be school, is gossip. And I think Satan preys on our minds. And, you know, I think that, you know, I again, borrowed this from Dave Ramsey, but they have a no gossip policy. Mm -hmm. One warning, second time you're terminated. Right. And, you know, in our organization, we just talk about, you know, is a conversation above the line or below the line? Mm -hmm. And are you talking to the person that actually has the answer or can get you the answer or can resolve the, the problem. If you're not, it's gossip right. and it's taken away from culture. It's taken away from you and it's taken away from the person that you're talking to. And so that for me, that's the number one, right. keeping it simple. If we can keep drama and gossip out of our organization or minimize it, we can focus on on the good and the positive and being not only generous, but just being grateful. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about the five to one ratio. Everybody needs to hear five good jobs mm-hmm. for everyone hey, we got to talk about right. how you showed up to that customer today. So that's, you know, it's it's maybe oversimplified. It's one of those mm-hmm. things, easy to say, really hard to do. Right. And, but that's what we try to do.
0: That's a really good point. You know, Truth at Work actually had some good content on gossip years ago that makes me think I might want to pull that out again and train on it. But a lot of the research I've done on it, because it's I've worked in call centers a lot of my career and, and you've got Lots of closeness of your employees shoulder to shoulder in time for gossip to set in. But the phrase that was used that I think is correct is it's workplace violence. It's, you know, I've seen people's careers really take a hit, a hit because of somebody starting something that was really gossip about them. You know?
2: the power of the tongue is in the mouth is amazing, right? You can either yeah. raise a person up
0: to mm-hmm. the
2: highest highs or it can totally tear somebody down. Right. In only a couple of minutes. And, right. Yeah.
0: You know, I I used to be really bad about gossip, not necessarily gossip, but about saying things to my boss at Defenders about another person's performance without them being in the room. And, you know, Dave healed me really quick of that. (laughs) What What he did was he said, I told him something about a team member and he said, hold on just one moment. And he went and got the team member and brought him in and said, she says that you did this or said this. Did you do that or say that? And just knowing that in the future... I would be held accountable yeah. for my words Cause me to go, okay, don't do that again. Yeah. Go talk to John first before I go yeah. talking to Dave. Yeah. Right. Cause it's a form of gossip. You know, oh. he's not in there to represent himself and yeah. his point of view. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something people don't pay enough attention to. And, you know, especially I heard Dr. Henry cloud speak this past week on the state of mental health and among people post COVID. Mm-hmm. So pre COVID, in the tests that they run for anxiety and depression, 14% of the general population would be viewed as being ang- anxious or having depression post COVID still that number is 40%. Mm. So when you're working in delicate environments with people who are carrying a lot emotionally, this is one thing we cannot
2: no. tolerate. Yeah. You know? There's an, uh, definitely a lot of sensitivity right now. Right. Right. We're easily offended.
0: Yeah. So. You know, like that example I gave about my team member that Dave pulled me back on, that's a change in life. You know, sometimes changing lives isn't just the the things that you get promoted to or achieve or goals and things. There are also behaviors you correct and things you stop doing, right, yep. um, that create can create devastation. Where did this DNA f- for wanting to change lives come from? I, I mean, I'm hearing Scripture and God, but... Yeah. Seems like there's something maybe in your dad or you going through a transformation.
2: Yeah. So it was kind of tell two stories there really early on when, um, you know, I, I started in the business, which is kind of an unlike I'm kind of an unlikely CEO, didn't want to be in the family business, didn't want to be in Indiana, but ended up there. Uh, God really called me into it. And once I engaged that, you know, my brother-in-law and I were actually at the Global Leadership Summit. And, you know, God inspired that, you know, why wouldn't we use our workplace to further God's kingdom? Didn't know any, you know, a little bit pioneering for us, or at least in our thinking, didn't have really anybody to look to towards that. Ultimately, that led to fast forward 15 years later, you know, our our board, which thank you, Marsha, for being one of our board members. This <laughs> thank was a you couple for years, being the board chair. <laughs> a couple of years before. You join, though, yeah. um, a board member, you know, I was, I was laying out our five-year plan and, you know, here's where we want to grow to and here's what we're going to do. And and the board member stopped me dead in the tracks, you know, power of a question, right? He he said, well, why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. And what I ultimately, I couldn't, I mean, I leaned forward, ready to answer it. And I bumbled around with a few <laughs> statements and realized, I, I don't know, because that's what you do next. That's what we do in companies, we grow, right? Ultimately, I wrestled with that for about three months, and it was in a hotel room at a trade show in Las Vegas. I was sitting there early in the morning, working up against the deadline for the next board meeting going, I got to get an answer started on this. <laughs> and uh, and I just started thinking, you know, in 20-some years of working in the organization, working with family, working with all of our people, my I'm a better follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a better father, a better husband, mm-hmm. a better leader, a better community member, Because of the community at Wildman, because of our workplace, it challenged me. And ultimately, it was just like, there it was. Changed lives. Like, my life's been changed. How can we be intentional as a work community? I mean, we're in industrial laundry. We get dirty things clean. (laughs) You know, how can we use that to ultimately, you know, we spend 80,000 hours at work. The thing we've got, which is the greatest resource right now, is time. Right. Let's use some of that time to be intentional about, hey. What do you think about life? What are you struggling with? What mm-hmm. do you what are some of your dreams? Just asking that, the power of that question. You know, what's your one dream right now? People don't know how to answer it cuz they've not been asked it. Right. And you know, ultimately if you let them wrestle with it, all of a sudden all these things come out. And that's beautiful. And so that was where that came from.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, Joshua, regarding your dad and the position of donating 20% of profits to Kingdom Impact, I heard a story, and you can tell me if this is right or not, but I heard a story years ago before I'd even met you, that your dad made a pledge. It might have been to the church building fund mm-hmm. that you talked about, yeah. and then business went sideways, and he went and borrowed the money from the bank to make the pledge.
2: It's, Very close, yeah. yeah. My, it was that project, mm-hmm. 2005. I was. I was... I think the general manager at that time. My dad had hired an outside CEO. My dad came in and made this request. The business was sideways when he came in and made the request. We'd made a big acquisition, borrowed a lot of money. You know, we're putting two cultures together and growing into that acquisition to positive cash flow, and and we were on the right track, but certainly didn't have this amount that 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 God was calling my dad to ask us to commit to. And I, you know, my dad asked the question and. You know, uh, I, I feel foolish even saying it, but I was sitting there going, "There's no way we can do this." And our, our CEO just leaned in and goes, "Yeah, I think we can make that happen." And we did. We borrowed from a line of credit to to give it to God. So I don't know that that's right. in Bibli- the faiths in the Bible. I don't know that that's right.
0: <laughs> a, a good business
2: or biblical principle. But we did it. And yeah. what it was was we were faithful to what you know the Holy Spirit called my dad towards. And that commitment was, you know, God honored it. And like I said, you know, there's, you know, he's faithful to it and he's going to, he's going to do that and more to those that really follow the Holy Spirit. Right. Sometimes it doesn't make sense on the balance sheet.
0: That's a good point. Sometimes it doesn't make sense on the balance sheet, mm. but you just know what you need to do. Yeah, I can. I definitely see that in you guys in the way that you're leading too. So, who's changed your life? You know, along the way, what what's happened inside you, and who are the people that God put in your mm. life to help guide you along the way?
2: So, I, you know, God's just put consistently mentors in my life for many, many years. Marcia, you're one of them. Oh, you've spoken in, challenged me, inspired me, consulted me. So, thank you. <laughs>
0: my pleasure to serve, but you give me a lot more credit than what
2: I think. That's a good mentoring relationship, yeah. I think, is where, you know, you think about Paul and Timothy, right? That, right? That's the classic relationship that ultimately God just put, I think, people in my life that at the right times that had more experience and wisdom than I had. And, and intuitively, I think He put in me that desire to seek counsel, you know, to, yeah, you to, do that to have that, yeah. I, I think... That ability to go, you know, I probably don't know as much as I think I do. And just ask questions like, what does right. this look like? And am I you know, am I on the right track? And so that's been really good. And then I think, you know, something I just share for, I think, any leader that's in development. I wish, even though I had great mentors, I didn't have a business coach. And so I've got a, a spiritual business coach and I've got a tactical business coach. Which that relationship developed over the last three or four mm-hmm. years. And I wish I had that fifteen, twenty years ago because right. boy, that's been instrumental. So those people have absolutely changed my life in that they've been there to give me advice, wisdom, counsel, accountability, and to just be some of my biggest cheerleaders. Right. You know, biggest fans. And so leadership's hard. It's lonely. Especially you in that CEO seat, oh,
0: you know, that thing is just, yeah. it's, it's, everybody thinks they want to be there. It's a difficult mantle. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a pressure there and a loneliness and you don't get the feedback sometimes that you need, you got to search for it. And so I think, you know, having that's
0: been huge. So, mm-hmm. That's good.
2: There's a pressure there and a loneliness and you don't get the feedback sometimes that you need, you got to search for it. And so I think, you know, having that's been huge.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Something I see going on with your business that's been fascinating is you have a, a great culture, but you're also investing heavily in the culture. So that's there's real cost to having dream managers and good benefits, and you're paying top of market wages for your industry. Mm-hmm. And now you've been doing some acquisitions, and I'm curious. And being on the board, I've seen some of these happen. But there's a curiosity in me about how those acquisitions are coming in with so much enthusiasm. I've done acquisitions in my past career, and it can be a difficult thing to do the integration. But it seems like they're, you're attracting them in the, with this culture that you that you've mm-hmm. created. How is that going from your point of view?
2: You know, I think it's identifying the right acquisitions mm-hmm. has been part of it. The acquisitions where there's already a value alignment, it may not be stated in the same way but you know there's there's an enough alignment there but ultimately that there's a hunger to grow to be better and so I think identifying the right acquisition and then you know we we do commit you know at the end of the day programs don't build culture but they reinforce what it is right and so we spend about one percent of our revenue above and beyond what a normal company would on people systems and mm-hmm. programs. In addition to that, you know, we spend, uh, we're really deliberate with acquisitions at the front end around, you know, the classic line is, hey, we just, you know, partnered and bought your company, but nothing's going to change. Right. Yeah, well, yeah things are going to change, but if we invest in, especially in the first 90 days, in communication and relationships. Right. So, we just spend a ton of time getting to know people and mm-hmm. getting to know the customers and really not changing anything You know, that we don't have to, if you read the book, the first 90 days, that's what we do. We just, we're focused on people. We look for the easy, like, you know, stroke of the pen. We can make something better really quickly here. Mm -hmm. So we do a couple of those and we have lots of town halls, lots of conversation. And that's worked really well. But I think it starts with identifying the right deals. Mm -hmm. And that's something obviously we've learned over time. But, you know, I think a lot of companies that, you know, start to grow with an acquisition strategy the growth is so, you know, they, they fall in love with the deals and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you, you're, you're just an assimilation of a bunch of different companies. You're mm-hmm. not one company. And so we, uh, if you've read the book, small giants, that's another great one. Like, you know, it's not about growth. We'll grow. Mm-hmm. We could grow as fast as, you know, I think we wanted to, but, you know, we want to, it's all about culture and community and people. And so mm-hmm. the right deals are most important.
0: No, that's that's I, n- truer. Words were never spoken. Getting the right deal, you're really good at com- the communication piece, which is typically something people will fail at. But you've also got this asset of your culture. You, you can look purely at Wildman and see the asset of the culture that is able to attract those acquisitions too. But then being firm in what you are and who you are helps you to integrate more easily too. Yeah, yeah. You know, without that, you just kind of start moving in all different directions, right? Yeah. What have you learned in this acquisition process? Did you had, I know I've seen some recent ones. I don't know how many you've done in the past, but was this something you had experience with that earlier? Or?
2: We hadn't done acquisitions up until five years ago mm-hmm. for 15 years. Right. And we started off with a decent-sized acquisition to get started that was, you know, our industry, lots of deal-making going on. Lots, Most industries, right? The right. Silver Tsunami. And all of a sudden we saw a couple of our local best competitors independent you know family-owned businesses selling out and we're going didn't see that coming and we would have liked to at least had a conversation right and so felt led to say okay if this is going to happen in in markets that we're in or we want to be in let's at least be at the table and be Mm -hmm. aware of it and so that began you know a couple you know smaller acquisitions which we learned a lot you know, that led to, you know, this last acquisition was the largest acquisition in our industry between two privately held laundries since the 70s. Oh, wow. And so, you know, we're excited by that and it's gone gone well, you know, nine months in. and But that's how we got started. And again, though, without our board right, and several key executives that have joined the company, we would not, you know, there would have been a lot more cultural damage and financial challenges if we hadn't had the advice and counsel we do
0: right so, so the other thing you've got going on at wildman it's a family-owned business it's in third generation now great leaders coming out of the family people working in the business people not working in the business tell me about what you guys have seen usually when i see a company that's transitioning in these healthy ways there's a process and development that's been going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for Wildman?
2: So I think it's Sierra Nevada that, you know, they're a large, I think most people know they're a large brewery out of California. I think they their slogan is, you know, family-owned, fought over since 19-whatever.
0: <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. <laughs>
2: no, yeah. you know, family business, you look at the statistics, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're in very rare air as far as, you know, generational family businesses that are still privately held that's take a lot of work. And, you know, again, just bless Truth at Work through Truth at Work was able to go to a day with David Green, which is, you know, Hobby Lobby. Right. And met the signatory there and Bill High specifically. And so reached out to Bill and asked if he'd help us with, we knew we needed to get a family council going, just didn't know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And so did some research, tried a few different things. It was kind of bumpy at first, but Bill came in Bill's been working with our family for three years and helped us establish as a family, you know, the vision not only just to make it to the next generation. He said, you know, it's all biblical, tied it back to the Bible. You know, if you're if you're looking just to the next generation, you're going to fail. You got to look 200 years out, and ultimately, you know, with you know, starting with relationships and establishing vision, mission, values, and really, we spent two years just on that, just relationships mm-hmm. and what are we really about as a family. And then it gets into governance and training around that governance. So, you know, employment policies for family members and giving policies and education and culture committees. So um, we almost run a separate organization as it relates to our family council, which absolutely, you know, the business is part of that and is, uh, is a key driver. But that's been huge. It doesn't make it any easier. You know, families. You know, we've all got our individual family units, and but we've got the structure, we've got mm-hmm. the relationships, and we definitely have the, the the true north for us, which is world influencers living differently. That's mm-hmm. our vision, you know, that we want to share with the family because not all are going to be in the family business, but all have an opportunity to live out what we believe is a family we're called to, which is to really share the kingdom with the, the world.
0: Yeah. And that's a, you, we talked earlier about being in the CEO role. It has a lot of pressure and isolation in it. Putting the family multi-generational business on top of that brings other stressors too. And it takes that kind of intentional relationship and communication building mm-hmm. to keep that on track. I recently heard one of the leaders of Cook Enterprises in Evansville. They own Cook Air and HVAC manuf- manufacturer, mm-hmm. distributor, actually. And they own a lot of different types of factories around the Midwest. And they were founded in, uh, after the civil war and started yeah. out as a sheet metal fabrication business. So they're in fifth generation, I think. And, um, they have their rules for being a family member coming into the business is you have to go get a college degree and then you have to go work somewhere else coming out of college. That's not cook enterprises. And you have to get one promotion on that job before you can come back to the mothership. Right. And the reason they do that is if they get to to the family business and they don't like it, they've got the confidence that they've performed somewhere and got promoted before they started in the family business. Yep. And I thought that was very wise way of thinking about yeah. that. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's um it sounds very ours is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. it sounds somewhat similar in that you know. It's really um, saying the business is an opportunity, but, you know, you need to go establish yourself first and mm-hmm. foremost and see the world. And then it helps with the, the, the,
0: the nepotism part, yeah. you know, and helps helps in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so totally agree. There's one interesting story. They were, You know, I've said they were founded after the Civil War. It was actually before the Civil War that they were founded by three brothers, the Cook brothers, and two of them joined the Union and one of them joined the Confederate Army. And so 10 years later, and after the war, that guy opened a a business in the South, Hmm. and then that business failed, and he wrote a letter back to the other brothers asking if he could come home. He had just assumed that he would be kicked out of the family and the family business, and they welcomed him back with open arms. So when they were sharing that, they have to go to another job and get a promotion, and then if they're coming to the family, they have to write a letter to say what they've learned and apply, right? And I asked if that was because of the Confederate brother that had wrote the letter to see if he could come back. You know, that's so, good. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's it's it, this has been the case for generations. Is mm-hmm. it's difficult. Families are difficult, and then apply business to it on top of that, and it makes another layer of difficulty that you can work through if you're diligent about it. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, loving and serving one another is the way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So you and I spend a lot of time together in Truth at Work. Truth at Work is an organization that puts business owners and leaders together in peer group roundtables to help advise one another on matters of personal business or spiritual growth. Yep. And we're both in different roundtables and had different experiences. We're both on the board there. What is the value for a peer group like that from your point of view for businesses, for business owners and leaders?
2: I would say the value, especially with Truth at Work, is it seems like the, you know, church happens when we're mm-hmm. in our meetings and the Holy Spirit shows up. You don't know who that day is going to be most served. And sometimes they don't even know that it's yeah. it's going to happen. But all of a sudden, you, know, you see the value that the person that needs the counsel or the support or the accountability, Or just even the wisdom, it seems like the Holy Spirit works to bring that to the center of the table. And then that peer group comes around that issue or that opportunity and just blesses that member. never seen anything like it, been in Mm -hmm. a lot of CEO roundtables for, you know, faith-based or not. And it just, the effectiveness is amazing. I've seen million dollars made, million Mm -hmm. dollars lost, you know, prevention of a million dollar loss. But more than that, I've seen, you know, People come around, people that are struggling maybe with family or right. you know, with a personnel decision. It's an amazing organization.
0: Yeah, I've seen marriages saved, conversions happen, children redeemed, all kinds of things that, that change drastically for people who are participating in that. It's I've been doing it for fifteen years. So yeah. it's I've seen a lot of really good growth, not only in myself but my mm-hmm. business friends who participate. I enjoy that a lot. A lot of transformation going on in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of transformation. A lot of life change going on. Yeah. And, and the network's a bonus. You right. Know, I think for beyond just your your roundtable, the, the Truth at Work network has
0: mm-hmm.
2: been a blessing to me.
0: And growing.
2: And growing. Yeah.
0: We um, currently are growing across the country with mm-hmm. starting roundtables in communities. If somebody's listening and they wanted to see a roundtable in their community, they could go to our website at Truth at Work dot org i think right yep truth at dot org and get connected be happy to talk to you if you think you'd like to lead a roundtable we can talk to you about that too mm-hmm. um so getting back to the wildman story and transformation so you got this great culture you're you're acquiring other businesses you're growing organically families working on their stuff too which is outstanding So tell me about a time when you've seen transformation, like I define it as a noticeable change in substance or form, like it's pretty drastic, it's not the gradual growth over time, but... Mm transformation to something else. Tell me about someone that you've seen at Wildman Group go through that type of transformation.
2: Yeah. So one of the the most radical stories, and, and you got to hear Alex's story, Marsha, yeah. when you attended our, our Christmas party, but you know, we had an individual that came to us, needed an opportunity. That's one of the other things about our organization is, yes, you know, education is important. Experience is important. Resumes are important, but we, we try to look at the person. And so mm-hmm. You know, we got a call. This gentleman was coming out of Teen Challenge. He'd spent a year in Teen Challenge, which is a substance recovery organization. Wow. One of the, not one of the, the best. Right. 70 plus percent success rate. And, you know, this guy was a natural salesperson. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell. And and enthusiastic. Got to, my wife and I, Leslie, got to know him a bit. We we hired him in for sales and he took off. I mean, first year, you know, President's Club, top performer, I'm um, making good money, you know. He he was still figuring out how to do life with God, and do life in the world where all this temptation exists. And so he, he's one of those when in the wrong environment he can could slip pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he got caught up. He went from he alcohol abuse to to heroin.
0: Oh, and so wow, he's
2: working jump, for us. Yeah. All of a sudden, he changes. You know, yeah. about twelve months in, and he becomes a. A heroin addict, but he's you know so obviously he the job doesn't work out. But it, as with things go with our organization, is you're still part of our family, and so mm. we continued to pursue him. A number of us had become close to him. And long story short, after it was about a two year period where some other community members were were pursuing Alex, and and members from our our, our work community. You know, we were able to get him back in Teen Challenge and now he is basically he serves kids that are in the same situation that are wow. just like Alex in California wow. for Teen Challenge and, you know, is a brings the gospel on a regular basis to teenagers all, yeah. you know, in, in the West and across the nation and is, is now going out to start his own nonprofit to mm-hmm do that with even more influence and dedication so you know just to see that transformation right that amazing you know to see God's call on somebody to see them struggle through those ups and downs to the point of almost near death right and to see that totally redeemed yeah and you know I, you heard him say it right he he was on his knees a heroin addict and he he, he rose up as a, as a preacher right and there's nothing more transforming than that. That's what God can do in your life. Yeah. And our organization was just used for that time to be intentional.
0: Right. So He has a, and he's a brilliant preacher. It's not just a matter of he stood up a preacher. It was immediate anointing, yeah. right? Yeah. So also what I'm hearing here too that I hadn't thought about, because I'd heard his testimony last year at your Christmas party, which, you know, I, I will take a little sidebar here. When When I first was getting to know your company and the name was Wildman, and I'm like, these people have the last name, Wildman? This is going to be a fun Christmas party. <laughs> and it is fun, but different from other Christmas yeah. parties. <laughs> I needed to have that name. I could have gotten in a lot of trouble. Because, <laughs> you know, you have to think about it for you guys that have that name. Yeah. You're kind of bearing a target on your back. Yeah, you know? a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Something that I'm noticing in this for the first time, I talk a lot about people get too attached to people working for them that they belong to them, Right. You'll hear people talking about being upset that somebody left, where's loyalty, I did this for them and that for them, and they they try to hold on to people with clenched fists. And what I've come to realize is that if I believe that God calls a person into our business to serve here, but if I believe that he's calling them in, I also need to believe that he may call them out at some point too. And my job is to take care of what happens in between those two points. And what I hear in this story of Alex, as I'm reflecting on it with you today, is you guys aren't attached to the person has to be an employer, they're not of value to that you continue to pursue their heart and their soul in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that's remarkable. Most business owners can't do that.
2: Yeah. Well, my my dad, you know, talks about it, but you know, twenty five years ago about he uh when he hired an outside CEO, he so he turned personnel over to God and he turned finances over to God. And that's been something that we've just tried to live out that, you know, we may have, you know, a team member for life, you know. We just mm-hmm. celebrated one of our best that's been with us for 30 years, and you know he's got his son works for us. Right, that's awesome and it's beautiful. But you know, if we if if we make it too much about the the organization and and not what God's really the path that God's taking that person on, we can actually hold people back right. from changing their life and other lives. So our whole goal is to. I mean, if we really live out that purpose statement, it, again, it doesn't make sense on the balance sheet. Is to empower people for their full potential and purpose. Right. That may not always be with our organization. Right. But in ways, just like with Alex, you know, mm-hmm. it will always impact our organization. Yeah. He came back and spoke at our Christmas party and, you know, brought it. it right. It was a beautiful. And so, you know, in that way, he's, he's a lifelong member of our family. Mm-hmm. But... It's not always easy, easily lived out though. Right? right. But it's, it's something we try to do. Yeah. Try to do well.
0: Absolutely. From my perspective, it, I see it a lot in your, in your organization. I, I love the story that you've shared with me before on the people huddled around the stove. Okay. Tell, tell us, yeah. tell our listeners about so the, that couple.
2: So Alicia and Josh Brooks are, you know, they're our, basically our, our living testimony, they, they, they say it so well. So in 2017, uh, Alicia joined our organization, Alicia's first generation immigrant from Jamaica. So mm-hmm. she's living the American dream. We were just able to be part of her American dream. You know, she joined our organization and our, our production facility, you know, we're a laundry, it's gritty, hot mm-hmm. work. And, you know, so she joined us and, you know, We have those programs that we have. Financial Peace University was one she took advantage of with her husband, Josh. Hmm. Her husband, Josh, joined us shortly thereafter. They just had they had a 10 month old and they were living in a trailer and they they couldn't pay their gas bill, but they still had uh, electricity at that point and they were huddled around their stove for heat in the winter. That year, they said they made combined $18,000. Hmm, goodness. And, you know. In but 2017.
0: 2017. This is not like 1970, yeah. right? You know. Yeah.
2: But they leaned in. Again, you know, we're just giving people the opportunity. We're mm-hmm. just empowering them to be transformed, to have their life changed. And they leaned into like fin- Financial Peace University specifically. And some people that would pour into them and encourage them. And they followed that program to at. And I think it was two years later, I was at the grocery store picking up some food and I see Alicia. Alicia sees me and she about tackles me (laughs) just telling me the story of how, you know, they've been tithing. They just started tithing and the math just doesn't make sense. We just like we do the math and, but we have extra money in our account. We can't, we don't understand it. <laughs> and long story short, they've both been promoted several times. Um, they're thriving. I think Josh will probably eventually not be in our organization. He just got his realtor's license, nice. wants to start his own agency and mm-hmm. go out on his own. That would be amazing. Alicia just told me that she wants to become CEO. I don't know any reason why she couldn't. Right,
0: right. Um, Wouldn't that she's be smart something? and
2: driven, and you know, uh, no, and and getting more confident every day.
0: Certainly um, has the Wildman DNA. Yeah, right?
2: has the Wildman DNA, and so you know, their life has dramatic. I mean, now they have two kids, that have bought their own home. You know, their cars paid for. Mm-hmm. They've got dreams. They they believe in. They can accomplish anything. And, but they do that with a servant's heart. So they're, they're helping other people, right? They, that trailer they were in when they bought their home, they, they gave it away, you know? And so they're being generous. So they're wonderful people.
0: Right. Yeah. That's great. Awesome things going on at the Wildman Group. Josh, I'm so honored to walk shoulder to shoulder with you in business and community. Thanks for everything you're doing, not just there, but here in our city and in our state and the country with your leadership, with the Truth of Work mm-hmm. board and being chairman there. If someone wants to reach out to Wildman Group, either for employment or to sell a business or to be a client, what's the best way for them to contact you?
2: Well, wildmanbg.com. Lots of ways to reach us through our website. Or just, you know, email me j wildman at wildmanbg.com. I'd love to talk to you personally and get you plugged in with the right thing. And we're an open book. If we've learned anything, we try to, you know, everything we're doing was a version of something else we learned from somebody somewhere or somebody else. So, you know, come visit and we'd love to have you and, you know, we'd love to meet you. So.
0: That's great. And you're working on a book, right? How's yeah. that coming along?
2: It's coming. So through edited through chapter four, written through chapter 10 and 12. Nice. And the framework's all there. It should be out, I, I would say, in the next six months. So maybe second or third quarter of this 2024. It's called Changed and it's a personal journey to marketplace ministry. Awesome. And it's, it's a bit more of this story that we've been talking mm-hmm. about you know, and, and and some more information on our programs and and to a challenge to 50 organizations to sign up and really give their business to God.
0: Right. That's awesome. And we would both be probably kicked off the board if we didn't remind people, if you are interested in participating in or leading a Truth at Work roundtable in your city, we'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah. And uh, you can reach out to truthatwork.org or Josh or I will be willing Absolutely. to help you in that journey as well. Um, Josh, thanks so much yeah. for sharing with us today. It's always great to spend this time with yeah. you.
1: Thanks, Marsha. It's mm-hmm. a privilege. So, Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Here We Grow. This show is proudly brought to you by Valve and Meter Performance Marketing. Be sure to check out the show notes for exclusive content that will help you become a transformational leader. For more, visit mathbeforemarketing.com slash podcast.